Good evening and welcome to NTD News. I'm Don Ma in for Stephanie. Here are today's top stories. More back-to-back voting in the House today. McCarthy falling short of the support needed. Those opposing him rallying behind yet another nominee. And the strongest dissenting members of Congress weigh in. Buffalo Bills safety Damar Hamlin shows signs of improvement, but the cause of his cardiac arrest is still a mystery. One cardiologist is asking some tough questions. The driver of the Tesla that plummeted down a California cliff has been arrested. Authorities say the accident might have been intentional. The first batch of Twitter files in the new year is out, showing that the federal government asked Twitter to remove a whopping 250,000 accounts. How long will it take for Congress to elect a speaker? That's the question on the minds of many. Democrats today criticizing the GOP's ability to govern as a group of 20 Republicans bands together to oppose Kevin McCarthy for speaker, instead casting their votes for Congressman Byron Donalds. NTD's Melina Weiskup has more updates live from Capitol Hill. Melina, walk us through the votes and what this delay in electing a speaker means for how Congress functions right now. Hi, Don. Good evening. Good to hear from you. So six rounds of voting later and still nothing has changed. House Republican leader Kevin McCarthy is still falling short of those votes needed to secure the gavel. And instead of gaining support today, he actually lost another vote with Representative Victoria Sparts uh, withdrawing her support from McCarthy and casting a vote as present instead. Now, as for how this is affecting Congress, Don, um, Congress is essentially hamstrung right now. They can't really do anything until they elect the speaker, that being the first order of business in a new Congress. They can't even swear in members right now, as a matter of fact. And this has given Democrats an opportunity to criticize Republicans, uh, saying that they're causing confusion and chaos over this. For example, Representative Ted Lieu, who's the vice chairman of the Democrat caucus, told me that they simply can't function. They can't hold oversight hearings. They can't hold committee hearings or do much of anything until this position is secured. Now, let's listen to the Democrats' message around this, as well as how those Republican opposers who are delaying this process are pushing back. The contrast between House Democrats on the chaos and confusion taking place on the other side of the aisle could not be more clear. For the first time in 100 years, there was not an agreement for Speaker of the House on the first ballot. Because we all acknowledge and we all know that Washington is broken, we must take a new path. There must be a new vision so that Congress works for the American people. Because the American people are watching what's happening here, and they've watched what's happened here, and they're sure in their hearts, and they can prove it, that this town works for this town. So that's Representative Scott Perry, who's the chairman of the House Freedom Caucus. He's also been one of those leading voices opposing McCarthy's speakership. On that sixth round, he uh, nominated Byron Donalds. And Byron Donalds was nominated during all three rounds of the voting today with those 20 Republicans uh, maintaining solid support behind Byron Donalds opposing McCarthy. Um, This is even though Byron Donalds says that he's not necessarily 
particularly interested in the speakership position, saying that he just feels it's his responsibility to help Republicans do things in a more constructive way, and he says he wants to help with that in any way that he can. And it's important to note that this comes even after former President Donald Trump endorsed Kevin McCarthy, warning those opposing Republicans to not turn a great triumph into a giant and embarrassing defeat. Um, but even that message from former President Trump, which was sent out ahead of today's voting, was not enough to change the, the minds of those 20 uh, Republican opposers. Um, Don, the House has adjourned tonight until 8 p.m., where they could come back and uh, continue voting. Maybe something has changed. They're negotiating right now. Kevin McCarthy is with those opposers. So we'll have to see how this unfolds tonight or maybe even a couple of days from now. Don, we'll toss it back to you. All right, thank you very much for the updates, Melina. And we'll be keeping a close eye on the story as it continues to develop. Meanwhile, President Biden vowed to find common ground with the Senate GOP leader. He also weighed in on the House speakership race. NTD's Iris Tao has more from the White House. A rare scene today as President Biden standing alongside Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, together touting infrastructure investment. Over $1 billion from the infrastructure law for this. And what Biden calls room for common ground. We have to find common ground. We can work together. We can get things done. And the White House says they planned the event in order to show bipartisanship. The press secretary wouldn't tell us yesterday who else was invited. But an official told the Washington Post that Senators Sherrod Brown, J.D. Vance and Rand Paul were also invited. But a White House official said only McConnell and Brown accepted the invitation. We ought to look for things we can agree on and try to do those even while we have big differences on other things. Meanwhile, on the House speakership election, the White House said repeatedly yesterday that Biden... And he understands how this process works. He certainly will not insert himself uh, in that process. We're certainly not going to insert ourselves in, in what's happening on the other... But before departing the White House this morning, Biden breaking silence on what's unfolding in the House. For the first time in 100 years, you can't move. This is not a good look. This is not a good thing. This is the United States of America, and I hope they get their act together. <laughs> And this Friday, Biden will hold a White House ceremony to mark the second anniversary of the January 6th Capitol breach. He has in the past called mega Republicans a threat to democracy. That said, in the coming weeks, he's planning to make stops around the country to highlight what he calls his bipartisan achievements. Reporting from the White House, Iris Tao, TD News. And Biden says it's his intention to visit the U.S.-Mexico border. He made the comments today at the Cincinnati Northern Kentucky International Airport. The visit could happen during his trip to the North American Leaders Summit next week. It will be Biden's first trip to the border during his presidency. And Buffalo Bills player DeMar Hamlin is still in critical condition. NTD's Dave Martin spoke with a medical expert on what happened. Here's Dave now. Thank you, Dawn. Bill's safety, DeMar Hamlin, is still in the ICU today and listed in critical condition, but according to the team, is showing signs of improvement. In addition, Hamlin's agent, Ron Butler, told ESPN that Hamlin's oxygen levels had improved, while his uncle, Dorian Glenn, said doctors had lowered his oxygen needs from 100% down to 50%. Hamlin collapsed on the field on Monday Night Football after making what many called a routine tackle of Bengals wide receiver T. Higgins. He was administered CPR and taken off the field in an ambulance. 
Now for football, which is a very violent game, most injuries can be seen and even diagnosed clearly on replay. This kind of episode is rarely seen, and while the prevailing opinion has been that this was caused by something called commodio cordis, not every medical expert is convinced. So with commodio cordis, it's a strike in the chest with a baseball, a lacrosse ball, and, the, and then they, the player goes down right away. Uh, you know, he, he made the tackle, he bounced up, and then he had his cardiac arrest. You know, it's never happened in the NFL because they wear pads over the sternum. So it happens with lacrosse balls and baseballs if it hits the sternum, about 20 to 30 cases per, per year nationally. Dr. Peter McCullough, who's a world-renowned cardiologist with over 600 citations in the National Library of Medicine, has another cause for concern. COVID-19 vaccination and COVID-19 vaccine-induced myocarditis or heart damage that can lead to one of these arrhythmic deaths. Though we don't know if Hamlin was vaccinated, McCullough, who authored the book The Courage to Face COVID-19, says he's studied this phenomenon abroad, with an average of 29 reported European athletes suffering cardiac arrests like this per year prior to the vaccines. That's a huge number of athletes, way more than the NFL. Now since COVID-19 vaccines, that number has skyrocketed to 1598. 1101 of those were fatal. Two-thirds of these are fatal. Fortunately for Hamlin, he survived. Ultimately, McCullough, though, sees a positive outcome for Hamlin. He'll recover. He'll be able to come off the ventilator and hopefully get a full neurologic recovery. Though McCullough says Hamlin's playing days are likely over, he sees this event as one the whole medical community should learn from, as anyone vaccinated could be at risk. We're owed an explanation. There's an ethical obligation to do so because other people could be at risk. Whatever the cause, we wish Hamlin a speedy recovery. And that's all for sports news today. Back to you, Don. Thanks, Dave. And in another show of support for Damar Hamlin, ESPN show host and former NFL quarterback Dan Orlovsky was moved to pray on Tuesday during a broadcast of NFL Live. After saying he heard the Buffalo Bills organization said they believe in prayer, he bowed his head and prayed. God, we come to you in these moments that we don't understand, that are hard, uh, because we believe that your God and coming to you and praying to you um, has impact. Orlovsky continued his prayer asking for strength and healing for Hamlin. Since Hamlin collapsed on the field, people across the country have rallied in support and prayer. The Buffalo Bills expressed their appreciation in a tweet on Tuesday, saying, We're grateful and thankful for the outpouring of support we have received thus far. The FDA is allowing retail pharmacies to offer abortion pills in the United States for the first time. This comes at a time when more states are seeking to ban what is known as medication abortion. And today's Arlene Richards reports. The FDA is allowing retail pharmacies to dispense an abortion pill. The agency updated its website on Tuesday after a year of negotiations with companies that manufacture the pill. Until now, retail pharmacies couldn't dispense mifepristone, the first of two pills needed to complete an abortion. In the past, only a few mail-order pharmacies could distribute it. Mifepristone induces an abortion up to 10 weeks into a pregnancy in combination with a second drug called misoprostol. After the FDA approved mifepristone in 2000, patients were required to make an in-person doctor visit to get the drug. 
This rule was temporarily suspended during the COVID-19 pandemic under the Biden administration. Approved doctors could issue prescriptions for the pills online or by phone and have them mailed to patients. Later, the federal agency announced their own new scientific study recommended relaxing in-person access to the drug. And on Tuesday, the Department of Justice issued an opinion that says the U.S. Postal Service can continue to deliver the abortion pill across the country. Currently, 19 U.S. states have laws prohibiting phone consultations and mailing abortion pills, superseding the federal rules. Arlene Richards, NTD News. Elon Musk has released more information about the extent of alleged government influence on Twitter. He says the federal government had asked Twitter to suspend 250,000 accounts. Here's the story. Elon Musk on Tuesday replied to a Twitter thread saying, quote, U.S. government agency demanded suspension of 250,000 accounts, including journalists and Canadian officials. Musk was replying to a thread by journalist Matt Taibbi, who posted the latest Twitter files. The thread showed redacted email correspondence between Twitter executives and government officials within various federal agencies in 2020. Taibbi wrote that Twitter was taking orders from a range of government agencies, including the Senate Intelligence Committee, the Treasury, the NSA, the Department of Health and Human Services, the FBI, and the Department of Homeland Security. One post also showed an email from the Office of Democratic Congressman Adam Schiff, who was the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee. His office asked Twitter to ban journalist Paul Sperry. Twitter's reply showed the social media company declined to honor the congressman's request, but Sperry was still suspended from the platform. The latest Twitter files release also showed that federal agencies flagged accounts that questioned the origins of COVID-19 and tied the accounts to Russian disinformation. Meanwhile, Musk is also making more changes to Twitter. He says the company is easing up on a three-year-old ban on political advertising. The social media company in 2019 cited the potential to influence voters as the reason for the ban. Now it says it's bringing the policy more in line with TV and other media outlets. And the Tesla driver who drove over a cliff known as the Devil's Slide on Monday will face charges. That's according to the California Highway Patrol. Authorities say the incident might not have been an accident. The driver of the Tesla that plummeted off a cliff in San Mateo County has been arrested. Authorities say the driver may have intentionally driven the vehicle over the edge of the cliff. According to California Highway Patrol investigators, the driver, Darmesh Arvin Patel from Pasadena, was arrested on suspicion of attempted murder and child abuse. Patel is currently being treated for injuries at Stanford Hospital and upon his release will be booked into San Mateo County Jail. This comes after a Tesla sedan plummeted more than 250 feet down a cliff from the highway and crashed into rocks below. First responders responded to the call around 10.50 a.m. on Monday. They found two adults and two children, ages 7 and 4, trapped in the vehicle that went over. The crash happened in an area known as a Devil's Slide due to its fatal wrecks and few survivors. All four were conscious during the rescue and were transported to local hospitals. And staying in California, Governor Gavin Newsom is declaring a state of emergency due to a winter storm that's expected to hit Sacramento and other areas. Newsom says the proclamation allows the state to act faster and support locals in the response to the storm. 
California officials have asked drivers to stay off the roads and check for further emergency notices. The storm, expected to arrive later today, is only one of three storms impacting the Golden State in the last week. Officials are calling this one of the most challenging series of storms to touch down in California in the last five years. And two suspects have been arrested after attacks on four power stations in Washington state. The attacks left more than 15,000 customers without electricity on Christmas Day. Officials announced on Tuesday that 32-year-old Matthew Greenwood and 40-year-old Jeremy Crahan, both from Washington state, were arrested Saturday. The two suspects made initial appearances in U.S. District Court on Tuesday. A newly unsealed complaint charged both with conspiracy to damage energy facilities. According to the complaint, Greenwood told investigators after his arrest that the two knocked out power so they could break into a business and steal from the cash register. Greenwood and Crahan were identified as suspects because location data showed cell phones linked to them in the vicinity of all four incidents. Damage to the stations is estimated to be at least $3 million. In each case, the perpetrators allegedly used bolt cutters to access the properties and manipulated switches to knock out power. Conspiracy to attack energy facilities is punishable by up to 20 years in prison. Reporting by Arian Pazdar, NTD News. Today, the mastermind behind the largest U.S. college admissions scandal ever uncovered was sentenced to three and a half years in federal prison. For years, William Rick Singer, a college consultant, helped wealthy parents get their children into elite universities in a scam that became known as Operation Varsity Blues. Singer admitted in 2019 that he had funneled parents' money to corrupt university coaches to secure the admissions of their children as fake athletic recruits. He then pleaded guilty to several conspiracy charges and obstruction of justice. The years-long investigation into the scheme resulted in the convictions of more than 50 people. And coming up, proof of vaccination still required for foreign visitors. The U.S. continues to be one of the only countries not offering alternatives to vaccines when entering the country. Meanwhile, new protests are flaring up in China, this time against restrictions on how people can celebrate the new year. That and more after this short break. The TSA extends a requirement for visitors to the U.S. to be vaccinated in order to enter the country. This makes the United States the only Western country that still has such a rule. Here are the details. The Transportation Security Administration, or TSA, has issued a so-called emergency amendment which extends the requirement for visitors to the U.S. to show proof of being fully vaccinated against COVID-19. This directive is effective from next Monday to April 10th. It applies to almost all visitors, excluding U.S. citizens and lawful permanent residents. This makes the U.S. one of only a few countries worldwide to have vaccine proof as a requirement for entry for non-citizens. Most other countries offer alternatives for the unvaccinated, such as requiring a negative test, a quarantine period, or proof of immunity, which comes from a previous infection, for example. There are only four countries with similar rules to the U.S., Those are Pakistan, Indonesia, Ghana, and Liberia. According to the CDC, being fully vaccinated means having received an accepted single-dose vaccination or a second dose of a two-dose series at least 14 days in the past. There is no need for a booster dose to achieve the criterion. 
The TSA says their vaccine requirement will advance safety and security of travelers, government workers, and more. The amendment reads that the policy is intended to limit the risk that COVID-19, including variants of the virus that causes COVID-19, is introduced, transmitted, and spread into and throughout the United States, potentially overwhelming United States health care and public health resources. However, the CDC director in August noted that vaccines can't actually prevent transmission. She told CNN in an interview, our vaccines are working exceptionally well. They continue to work well for Delta with regard to severe illness and death. They prevent it. But what they can't do anymore is prevent transmission. In recent months, policymakers and big parts of the general public have also acknowledged that vaccines do not prevent transmission. New protests broke out in at least three Chinese cities during the New Year holiday. This time, it's over restrictions on how people can celebrate. And among China's COVID-19 deaths, many are experts in top academic institutions. NTD's Ellie Hart has more. One month after the blank paper movement saw protests sparking across China, new demonstrations erupted again in at least three Chinese cities this time during the New Year holiday. Thousands of people were reportedly involved Monday night, citizens in central China's Henan province destroyed and flipped over a police car. This after police arrested a citizen for setting off fireworks in Zhoukou City. The angry crowd surrounded the vehicle, preventing officers from taking a citizen to a police station. Some protesters smashed the car's windshield and windows. Others climbed onto the car's roof and danced. In the end, they overturned it. At least two people were arrested on site. For years, the Chinese Communist regime has banned the use of fireworks across the nation. But some cities have since loosened the rule to allow citizens to fully celebrate the first new year since COVID-19 lockdowns lifted. Though some cities kept the ban in place, the issue came to a head during the protest. In another video clip shared online, one protester is heard saying, quote, People of Shutan City, let's fight. Shutan is another city in Henan province. On New Year's Eve, more than a thousand people gathered in the streets there. They celebrated with fireworks despite a police presence on site. Over in northern China's Shandong province, one car set off fireworks while driving through the area, with a police car on its tail. Another car was stopped by a police officer, but the driver continued setting off fireworks anyway. Another video shows city workers using fire extinguishers to stop citizens from lighting the fireworks. Over in Nanjing City, a crowd of what appeared to be hundreds of people broke down a police blockade. It was set up to surround the statue of Sun Yat-sen. Sun is known as the father of the nation in Taiwan and the forerunner of the revolution in China. That's for his contribution in overthrowing China's last dynasty. He was a promoter of democracy. Elsewhere, a highway in Henan province saw New Year's Day protests. Hundreds of bank fraud victims gathered there to bring attention to the issue and demand their money back. A spike in deaths among senior experts from China's top academic bodies. That's as the CCP virus sweeps across China. The CCP virus causes COVID-19. The most recent number, 24 top experts died in December last year. They come from some of the country's most prestigious academic institutions, such as the Chinese Academy of Sciences and the Chinese Academy of Engineering. Their obituaries didn't mention if these experts died of COVID-19. That's as funeral homes across China are overflowing and infection numbers see a massive surge. Most of these experts are Communist Party members, their ages ranging from 80s to 90s. The youngest is 57. 
a Chinese biochemist and molecular biologist called Jiang Hualiang. Other examples include professors from Xinhua University, a top school that has educated many of the party's leaders. And that's all for today's news. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Don Ma. Good night.